Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Brandon Laws, as always. Hey, in today's episode, I have a conversation with Jennifer Rock and Michael Voss. They are the authors of BS Incorporated. This is a novel, which is different than what I typically would highlight on the podcast, but I gave it a read and I laughed really hard and it's very vulgar. So if you like that sort of humor, it's it's great. But this book, uh, you know, for HR professionals, professionals that are listening, this has every sort of horror story you could imagine. Jennifer and Michael come from the corporate world and when they got together and were discussing uh, their experience in, in the corporate world, they had a ton of stories that they shared back and forth and that's what led them to write this book in a fictional way. So it's a very satirical look at this organiza- organization that's falling apart, corporate cultures and shambles and the executives and the rest of the employees seem to be very disconnected. So I think what you're going to learn from this book and maybe learn from this episode is why uh, it's important that uh, the vision is shared throughout the organization. So I know we talk about that a lot on, a lot on the podcast, but this is sort of a, another way to look at it in a, in a fictional way. And it's sort of having fun with it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a little different than what I usually would put out. But uh, again, always looking for new ways to illustrate what we believe uh, to be important in the HR world. So enjoy the episode and please do leave us a review on iTunes. We are really appreciative of those uh, reviews because other people like you will find the podcast. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram or anywhere you want to connect with me on social. Uh, Enjoy the episode and I'll talk with you next week. Hey, Jennifer and Michael, so good to have you guys on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. So we're going to talk about your your book, your first book, and we'll talk about your your second book at the end. But BS Incorporated, this is a novel. Give listeners a synopsis of what this book is all about. Well, this book is really about a giant Midwestern company that has grown too big, too fast, and is spiraling out of control. And the story takes you behind the scenes and you meet a group of cynical, witty middle managers who are just trying to get through the bureaucracy of the day and deal with these crazy consultants and egotistical executives. And eventually they figure out if anyone's going to save this company, it's going to fall to them. So that's really the synopsis of how the story breaks out. And what's funny about this book is it's very satirical in nature, right? It's, I was, I mean, it's laugh out loud funny. I think my wife kicked me a couple of times. She's like, why are you laughing so hard at this book? Like, you, I guess yeah, you'd have to read it, but it's, it's funny. It's not what I expected, to be honest with you. So what led you to write this kind of a book? Yeah, great question. And thank you for that. Uh, well, uh, it started about so now six or seven years ago. Um, Mike and I worked together at Best Buy headquarters here in Minneapolis. 
and we uh, escaped a, a four-hour soul-sucking meeting and and ended up at, on a bar patio, frankly, and um, <laughs> and we started swapping stories of bad meetings we've been in and people we knew and crazy things that leaders had done and missteps that companies had made and you know, we, we did one of those pinky swears that you do after maybe a couple cocktails where you say, we should write a book. And yeah. we, we did have a moment where we said, maybe this is a nonfiction. Maybe we, maybe it's a how-to, maybe it's kind of a manual of how to do good communication or how to be a good company or how to treat your employees well. And we just decided that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> we, we wanted to write something fictional. We wanted to take some inspiration from real life, but we, we wanted to take this in a fictional direction and have some liberties with it. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually wondering, like most people would take a lot of this content and create a nonfiction book out of it, like a how-to guide for, you know, how not to get in, how, how not to get in lawsuits or how to grow a business, all those, all those things that are just kind of straight laced. But this is, it's vulgar. It's funny. It's, but you can also sort of like immerse yourself into some of the characters and the way they're behaving and maybe resonate with some of them and what they're experiencing. I, so I think the method in which you, you wrote this, this fictional book and the story, I think it worked really well. Are you getting a lot of good feedback about how you, you structured the story? Uh, we absolutely are. We feel very fortunate, not just only in getting really good reviews on Amazon and Goodreads and other places where readers post reviews, but we just hear from a lot of people too who say, oh my gosh, it's like you snuck into my company and watched what was going on and wrote a book about it. Or, oh my gosh, that person, that character in the book is just like this person I work with, or I saw myself yeah. in Will, or I saw myself in Anna. So um, that's really, really um uh, makes us feel good when we hear that kind of feedback. With all the crazy stuff that's happening in the books and even some of the characters and the fact that it seems like every day after work, they're going and having like three, four or five drinks at the bar and and sharing stories with each other. Like, was this what your corporate lives were like? Or were you, were you just hearing stories and this sort of influenced the way you wrote this book? Um, to be completely <laughs> honest with you and your listeners, when I left my corporate job, I said that that company owes me a liver. Wow. Yeah, I get that. I get it. <laughs> we spent a lot of time at happy hours. And, you know, it, to be honest, it really wasn't about the drinking to excess. Yeah. It's the camaraderie yeah. that you feel with a, your work family, with a team. And, you know, we would work so hard at our job, mm -hmm. 10, 12 hours a day supporting the executives of the firm and trying to keep some of the mayhem we experienced in real life out of the headlines and, and things like that. And then afterwards, of course, we would, we would um, end up at, at the bar on a patio or something and, and, and be able to rehash what happened in the day and, and to just um, swap stories and, and to uh, cool down a little bit. So it was a great camaraderie builder. And of course, we had to put happy hours in our team in the book because um, it was an important part of our work life. So Jennifer, you're still a fan of the happy hours. Do you recommend them? I recommend them to everyone. I, I really do. And it's, you know, it, it's a trend we see a lot in companies that we have worked with where there's kind of forced fun, where it's like there's mandatory happy hours and they like yep. make teams go do things together. Heart's in the right place, but you you, you just can't beat. Uh, you can't force a, a it. Team. Yeah, you can't. You can't just beat a team who just get together. Uh, you know, spur of the moment and because say they like each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
That's such a good point. And I, I love the happy hours just for that reason. It's like, it's casual. It's, you can talk about things you normally don't talk about. You get to see people out outside the workplace. And I think that you illustrated that pretty well in the book where it was this really free flowing conversation between a lot of the characters at some of the happy hours. Whereas like, it's all business as usual in the office. Well, maybe a lot of businesses don't experience some of, the, some of those things. But I, I thought that was a kind of a cool illustration with just how they behaved outside of work. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, we definitely use that to sort of round out the characters a little bit outside of the workplace. So I, I mentioned this book, there's some vulgarity to it. I gotta, I gotta ask though, who's the funniest out of, out of Jennifer and Michael? Oh, wow. Oh, that is a tough question. <laughs> each of us thinks we're the funnier one. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think one of the, the great joys of writing a book with a co-author is writing something and anticipating what uh, he or she is going to think when they read it. So the, you know, the favorite part of the writing process for me is when I write something that Jennifer tells me made her laugh out loud or spit out her coffee. And the worst part of the writing process for me is when Mike will write something and I will review it and it will just be a little parenthetical statement that says, put something funny here. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to fill in the blanks there. I have to fill in the blank because he knew something funny should go there, but just couldn't come up with something. It's oh, like, oh, I love thanks. That. thanks for that challenge. I love that. Was it a lot of fun being able to sort of make fun of it and, and be vulgar at times? I mean, like too often in the corporate world, we have to live up to the standards of the organization and, you know, can't be as vulgar as we want to. But this is your own book. You pretty pretty much had fun with it, right? Absolutely, we did. And, and it was cathartic, to be honest with you, Brandon, to be able to have our characters stand up and say some things that we were maybe never able to say in the workplace or probably <laughs> it's good that we did not. Um, so we could, as Jennifer said earlier, take some liberties with, uh, with a fictional story and and have our characters stand up near the end and speak truth to power. And regardless of uh, what vulgarities came out of their mouth, the, uh, what they were saying was true and accurate and uh, a great representation of the way employees very often feel. And just to add to that, on the, on the vulgarity front, the character of Benny, who is our PR director, one of the most vulgar characters in the book, just because she's a straight talking, straight shooter from Boston, and um, we had great fun basically making up swear words for Benny to say um, because she's very creative. She's very creative in the way that she swears. And um, we actually, the, our publisher who edited the book for us, uh, meticulously proofread it, has a whole section now in their style manual for editing that includes all of these made up swear words. That's like amazing. Is, is Jack Wagon a, a hyphenated term or is it two <laughs> words and things like that, which is just so ridiculous that, you know, this is our legacy. Yeah. Out of like all the characters that you've, you developed, do either of you resonate with them the most or, or did you, you know, sort of model their behavior based on your experiences? So, uh, you know, there's a large part of me in Will, our, yeah. our male protagonist, and there's a, a lot of Jennifer in Anna. Um, just in terms of the how they approach their work and and sort of how they think about the world and view the world, and then for some of the ancillary characters, the fun part of that was taking a little bit of this person that we know and a little bit of that person that we know, wrapping it into a single character, and then throwing a little bit of absurdity on top of that. So there's the the two main characters are loosely based on us during our careers, and then the 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 cast of characters around them are really amalgams of all these various people we worked with through the years. 
and just some of the things we wished people had said or done. I thought, and this is kind of random, but I thought the references to that, I think it's the TEPL or is it T-E-P-I-L? I don't, I don't know if it's an acronym or if it's just the, the software or how they track their time. But I thought those references are really funny. And I'm, I'm curious if you experience a lot of that stuff in your corporate life where it's like you have to literally track, you have to put whatever you're doing in a bucket of time. And you're basically just like, you just made fun of it throughout the book where they'd be doing something completely random. And it's like, oh, we just throw it in, you know, 999 something, you know, like what was your, what was the influence behind that? Absolutely a true story. Um, That's a company I've worked for that had that time tracking system. And it makes sense. Maybe if you are an hourly employee for salaried employees, it made no sense whatsoever. And in the book, we took it to an absurd level, as we tend to do, where you had to track your hours in 15-minute increments, which would drive anybody crazy. I, th- I think we had to track it in 30 or in 60 minutes or something. And it's TEPL. Yeah, it's, Tepl, yeah. it's an acronym, but they, they call it TEPL. And, and so that was absolutely based on a really frustrating Ugh. real life experience. And it's, and it's what employees do, right? It's like, you got to play the game. You got to do what you have to do and live by the processes and the policies. But yeah, you game the system. And yeah. so... You just go, oh, well, I worked nine hours today and I'm going to put that in, you know, like you said, nine, 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 which is strategy work because that kind of covers everything. Yeah. So it, it's this silly system that really doesn't end up being useful to anybody. Um, and that the tuple as an application actually comes back in our second book, kind of guns blazing and it plays a huge role in the, the story in the second book. So, so yeah, we, um, that is a system that is a fictional system that is near and dear to our hearts. What are some of the other things throughout the book that were just like the crazy stories that actually happened? Like, for example, I think um, they basically blocked the stairwells because somebody was they were filming sex in in the stairwell during work hours, and so they would lock the stairwells during certain hours and make people ride the elevator. Like, did that really happen? So, uh, as Jennifer said, you know, we take things to an absurd yeah, level. Yeah. So we start with the true story, and uh, we both did work for a company in which. People were rendezvousing in the stairwells. Unbelievable. For for safety reasons, they didn't actually um, close off the elevators and were not aware that anyone actually filmed those activities. (laughs) Not that we know. Uh, So that's where we just, we kind of ran with it a little bit. But we, as communications professionals, we, we, you know, talked to a lot of other different departments from HR to loss prevention to the security team. And we got a call saying, uh, we need your help crafting a message, letting people know that cannot be doing these types of activities in the stairwell. So thought that was a great real life example to bring into the book. And basically what we tell people who read the book is, you know, the the things that you think couldn't possibly be true. Those are the things that actually have a have a little ingredient of truth in them. It's so funny to me because I mean, and I didn't really want to spoil a lot of the plot points. It's I want people to to read this book and really understand it for themselves and understand the characters and basically like in a, in a hyperbolic way, like what some companies are kind of going through, but what are some of the themes that people really should pay attention to when they're reading this book? Like, what do you want them to, to really understand and learn from, from some of these stories? Yeah. Thanks for asking that because, you know, we definitely wanted to write a book that would entertain people. You know, first and foremost, we wanted them to laugh. We wanted them to identify with the story. Um, but we did have some things we wanted to say about the corporate experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them that comes out in this book is about losing your identity, whether you are 
a corporate employee or whether you are a company. And you see that through some of our characters, you know, especially Anna, who has tried very hard to be the type of employee she thinks she needs to be in order to get ahead and has lost some of the attributes that make her a, a good and kind and fun person. And she hides some of that because um, she wants to succeed in business and she thinks this is how she needs to do it. And similarly, you know, our fictional company, Business Solutions, has lost its way um, trying to be something that it believes Wall Street and um, investors need it to be. And so they've, they've lost sight of what made them successful in the first place. And so that is really a thing we wanted to get across about kind of it's, you know, it takes different forms, right? It's like bringing your whole self to work or it's staying true to the core of who you are. And again, that, that, that goes for individuals, it goes for companies. And, and we really wanted to, to try to get that across in a fictional way because we think it impacts a lot of people in the real life workplace. Do both of you have a communications background? Is that what I remember you saying? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, and so I thought it was interesting when, so the, the fictional company, they were rolling out basically a new strategy. It was Opti-telligence or <laughs> however you say it. And I, th I thought... Opti-telligence, yeah. yeah. So I thought it was funny that Okay, the the company decide the leadership team really decides to make this pivot in their business, and basically throws on the communications team to deal with all the the pieces of the puzzle. Did you have to deal with things like that in in your corporate life, where you just sort of were handed this new strategy and had to spin it in a certain way that was going to make it look good? Yes, that is the story of our corporate communication oh, lives. That gosh. happened to us, and I think that's another area, Brandon, where. Uh, people came to us and said, oh my gosh, my company is doing the same thing. They just made up a term Unreal. for their new strategy. They just jammed two words together and did it. <laughs> so we, we, um, we definitely lived that, that life. And it, on occasion, we could get in front of it and recommend what to call the new initiative in ways that we knew employees wouldn't, um, wouldn't blanch at. But uh, we definitely had to um, take, uh, take some pretty um, uninspiring content and names for things and, and try to get employees excited about it. I think probably in the big corporate world, everybody operates in the silos. So yeah, you're handed a new strategy and you have to spin it a certain way versus really being included in that strategy and having a voice before you, you're having to actually you know, go to market with that. Like, Was that ever a possibility in, in your time as a communications person where... You actually were involved in the strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are companies that do this really well. Yeah. Um, there are companies that absolutely that we've worked for and with that um, want to involve all employees actually from the beginning to, to set the direction of the strategy or to, you know, it's, it's not just about the name of the strategy, but it's about actually, you know, the vision and what, what you're shooting for. And really the most successful companies we have ever worked with are the ones that want employee feedback right off the bat that says, what should we be going after here? And, and so by the time you get to the internal marketing or whatever you need to do, employees already know about it. They've already been involved in it. They're already bought into it. They're already, you know, have their opinions involved. And, and don't get me wrong, companies aren't democracies. You know, people don't all get a vote, but getting that employee input, you know, whether it's ours or whether it's the greater employee population, that really makes a difference in, in getting a strategy right. And I have one quick story on that, Brandon, um, if you don't yeah. mind. And this was from our time at Dubai. Um, and this was, you know, 10, 15 years ago before we were all carrying the internet in our pockets with cell phones and tablets. They had hired a consulting firm to determine what, where the growth would come from in the future for Best Buy. 
And they came back and called it something that, of course, we did not like at all. They called it ubiquitous connectivity. Oh my gosh. And while it makes sense, right, you can figure out what that means. You have to pause for a second and think about what they're talking about. <laughs> and in this case, we were far enough upstream, as Jennifer was just talking about, and we um, were able to convince the CEO and executive team to call it the path to the connected world, which is just a little bit more um, intuitive, I guess, easy to understand yeah. and a little bit more intuitive. Yeah, thank you. And nobody could spell ubiquitous anyway. So no. it, was, it was a failed, failed from the beginning. When you wrote this book, did you set out to really change the way people were thinking about the corporate world or did, did you just want to have fun with it? <laughs> you know, um, I, I would love to think that we had... Um, we had that in mind that we were going to to change some some hearts and minds out there, but um, really, like Mike said, this was a we started out as putting this on paper as as really an act of of catharsis <laughs> for us, and um, and I have to tell you um, a little inside scoop here that our first shot at the manuscript for BS Incorporated um, was twice as long as it should no be, twice way. as long as anybody would ever want to read, and most of it was just a play-by-play -play blow of boring meetings that we've sat in. Now, we didn't want to sit in those boring meetings in real life, much less have anybody read about the boring meetings. And so we're like, okay, we got to pair back. Like, we want to talk about the corporate experience and how it might, you know, how it's ridiculous and how it might be improved. But let's not make people relive it through this book. This should be fun. That's too. unbelievable. So, that you um, a lot of, it was so silly. And it was just, it, it so we, a lot of editing involved, but I mean, like I said, first and foremost, we wanted people to just be entertained and, you know, like, like any good, um, training or lessons, like, you know, if they're, if they're hidden in there and you end up kind of thinking about something a little differently, or you, you end up kind of shining a light on something, but you still have fun, you know, we consider it a win. So you have, uh, another book coming out and it's a sequel to BS Incorporated. Is that right? It is. It takes place about three months after this book ends and, and the title of the book, and I'm going to be really, I'm going to enunciate this well. The title of the book is Operation Cluster Puck with a P. <laughs> Thanks for doing that. <laughs> and Yep, and it is named, um, and it is named for uh, a very ill-advised and hurried strategy that our company has to expand into Canada. So, what can people expect from that book in particular, other than just expanding to Canada? Same characters. Yeah, we're going to be back with Will and Anna and the gang again. You'll meet a couple new characters from the Canada team, and the, a new new person joins the communications team as well. We're going to, you'll uh, see us have some fun with the joys, which often aren't very joyful at all, of international travel and, um, you know, what it's like for a big American company to sort of underestimate the challenges of international expansion. Even if it is our, just our neighbor to the north, you'll see them make some silly, predictable mistakes that, um, again, drawing from real life, it's amazing how many companies struggle to expand into new markets like that. So. We have some fun with it. We make it fun and interesting and a, and a few good laugh out loud moments. I can't wait to read that one. The, I, I love the first one, BS Incorporated. I thought it was so funny. And I haven't read anything like that. Like I, I every once in a while, I'll read fictional books. I was not expecting what I what I read out of that. And I, I had a lot of fun. I know listeners, they've got to pick it up because a lot of our listeners are they're in the corporate world. <laughs> they would have a blast with this book. Oh, thank you for that. And you know, I know a lot of your listeners um, come from the uh, human resource teams um, and from leadership. And, you know, I'll, I'll warn your listeners that we um, 
we poke a lot of fun at both HR and the leadership team um, within this company. We have worked with uh, and met lovely people from human resources and the executive ranks, um, but they are just not as fun to write about. <laughs> Love it. So where can people find BS Incorporated? And then when's the new book come out? So BS Incorporated is uh, can be found anywhere where fine books are sold. So that's everything from Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. Um, Apple iBooks, you can buy the paperback or the, the ebook version in all its various formats. You can also order it directly from our website, which is rockandvossbooks.com. And do you want to talk about the next book? Sure. So Operation Cluster Puck is uh, due out uh, early November 2018. Um, so if you're listening uh, real time here, it's in about in a month. And um, and that will be available on all the same sources. Um, and uh, we are doing some pre-sales and we are so excited. We've gotten some great advanced reviews of the book. And um, and so we are, are very excited to uh, keep the story going and entertain people in some new ways uh, with the second book. Jennifer Rock, Michael Voss, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. A lot of fun with you guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com 